open with me to uh, the book of James. It's close to the end of your Bible, uh, chapter 3. And we're going to read the Word of God together, and we're going to look at this um, actually quite heavy text this morning. Um, I'm going to actually begin with the last six words of chapter 2, uh, just as a, just a little piece of context to lead us into chapter 3. The last six words of chapter 2, verse 26, begin like this. Faith, apart from works, is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder whenever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and, and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Father, I just want to uh, join my prayer to Mark's prayer and Andrew's prayer uh, in asking you, Lord, to, to speak to us, to show us our lives, to give us understanding of the way we use our tongue. And so we ask, Spirit, that you would humbly uh, allow us to humbly come before you with open hearts, open minds, willing, Lord, to hear from you. Um, We ask this expectantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Harsh words are like a knife. You can drive the knife into a stump, and when you pull it out, it still leaves a gouge. And it'll not go away for a very, very long time. Our words are like that. They can cause, they can do good, they can bless, but they can also do great harm. When I was in my early 20s, I met this beautiful young woman. Um, She's still a beautiful woman. And uh, we dated for a little over a year. And then I just, felt like this wasn't going to work. And so I went to uh, Linda, 
and told her that, um, that I just felt like our relationship was done. Now, when I was young, I was a truth teller, more than a person that spoke truth in love. I was, and so I loved arguments, I loved to play the devil's advocate, and I wasn't trying to be mean at all, but I just, I think I saw myself as a truth teller. So one of the things I said to Linda when I was breaking up with her was, uh, I just don't love you. Wow, you know. I'm, I'm glad they don't, uh, they don't allow food in here. So. <laughs> Otherwise, the women would probably be throwing tomatoes at me or whatever, right? Uh, but and I tell this, we tell our, our story because it's actually a miraculous story of how God brought us back together and, and uh, really incredible. But that was the low point. And uh, when I told my family, when my friends found out that I broke up with Linda, they thought I was an idiot. I mean... Everybody, everybody's like, you are insane. You, what is wrong with you? And, uh, and when they found out what I said, then my name was Mud, you know? But the greatest impact was not on them, of course. It was on Linda. So after God brought us back together and we got married, oftentimes, uh, more in the first decade, but throughout decades, literally, Linda would have dreams about me breaking up with her, have dreams about me leaving her, and all these kinds of things. Every once in a while, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with my wife wrapped around me. <laughs> and, and I would say, you had one of those dreams, didn't you? And she'd say, yeah. So I asked her permission to share this, and, it, and, uh, and her reaction was, yeah, you can share that story. But the tears welled up in her eyes like they are now. Words have power. They have power. And they have power to do good. And they have, they have power to harm. Think of the little phrase, six characters, hashtag me too. Think of the power of those six little digits. Amazing. Since 2018, over 19 million people, mostly women, have posted that hashtag and told their story of abuse, of harassment, of great pain. Words have power, and we have to be careful. We could go, I could go on and tell many stories, but I, I want to get to the word of God today. We know that words have power. Our first section that we're going to look at is uh, first my statement for the day. Remember the power of your tongue. This text is a warning to us. It's a warning to watch our tongue, to hold our tongue, and to think before we speak. Uh, sec first section says the tongue is a serious thing. But first the the, uh, these last six words in chapter 2. This is what this next, uh, our text flows out of. Faith apart from works is dead. It's a great uh, summary, really, of that, of that whole section from verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Real faith in Christ comes when Christ 
God himself draws us to himself and we place our faith in him. And when we have real faith, we truly have placed our trust in Jesus for our salvation and for everything, some amazing things happen. We are reborn. We have new life. Christ himself and the Holy Spirit enter us. We are now in Christ, and Christ is in us. We are united with Christ. And the Father and the Spirit and the Son all work together to grow us. It's a miracle. It's amazing. All of us who truly know Jesus have the power of God, the presence of God to live our lives. Isn't it amazing? And from the beginning of our walk of faith, God is helping us. He's empowering us. He's teaching us. This is so important as we flow into this heavy section in chapter 3. Because we can't do this alone. We need God's help. Real faith obeys. Real faith grows. Real faith perseveres. And uh, Andrew so, uh, so wonderfully showed us the marriage of our faith and our works in last week as uh, he brought us the word. And so chapter 3 begins a whole section on the power of the tongue. Look how it begins. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I read that and I thought, hmm, now I know why Andrew wanted me to preach this week. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not many of you should become teachers. I'm, I, I read it and I'm like, that's my life. I am a teacher. That's like all I do. I train pastors. I teach pastors in mostly Latin America and Caribbean. I absolutely love it. It's, it's my life. But there is a seriousness to teaching pastors, to teaching the word in any capacity, not just as a missionary or as a pastor, but all of us who teach, we have a greater responsibility. Why? Because we're not just teaching anything. We're representing God and we're teaching his word. We're called to be faithful, to teach the word, to preach the word, and it is a serious thing. It is a great responsibility and it shouldn't be taken lightly. We have a greater judgment. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of this, but for me, to help understand how that whole judgment thing happens, um, I go to 1 Corinthians 3. If you want to look it up, verses 10 to 15 when you go home, uh, it's really fascinating. It talks about the judgment of Christians, which is something we just don't talk about much in the church. Here it's judgment of Christian leaders, right? But it, it, in essence, it says that Christ is the foundation and when we build on the foundation, which is Christ, that our works then are, are rewarded. But when we are not building on the foundation, which is Christ, our, our works pass through a fire and they're burned up. But we still pass through the fire, okay, unharmed. And I, I believe that's the idea of judgment um, here. It's not, doesn't, uh, there are probably many teachers of the Bible that will actually not make it to heaven because they're her heretics and they're, they're teaching heresy to people or they're people that are using the position of teacher, preacher to make money. This, 
actually happens in many places uh, of the world. Um, they, of course, have eternal punishment. Uh, but it is because it's serious to handle the word of God. This is humbling for all of us, including me, who teach the word of God. And then he includes everybody, including himself, James, in, in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. I'm going to stop right there. What a phrase, a simple phrase. We all stumble, not a little, but we all stumble in many ways. Uh, James was the leader of the headquarters of, of Christianity in the first century in uh, Jerusalem. He saw everything. I'm sure he got all the tough cases. He saw all the mess. And the Holy Spirit placed on his heart clearly, James, you are a mess, and all of us are a mess, and only with Christ do we do anything. Because he includes himself, for we, we all stumble in many ways. It's true of us. The more we live as Christians, the more we see how messed up we are and how messed up everybody else is. We're all in this together. We are desperate for help from God day after day. And then he applies it directly, comes back to the idea of the, of the tongue. And if anyone does, does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He says, if we actually could not stick our foot in our mouth, if we could actually not harm with our mouth, if we could bless and not curse all the time, we would be a person with perfect self-control. And that would be amazing. Unfortunately, no one can do it. And he'll get to that later in the, in the text when he tells us in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. But if we could, we would be self-controlled. So it's interesting, as we learn to control our tongue, which involves controlling our heart and our thought and what comes out of our mouth, God is developing in us self-control. It is a worthwhile pursuit to work at speaking and in a way that blesses people, that encourages people, builds up the body, and does not tear down at all. And so the tongue is a serious thing, very serious. And then he moves on to a larger section. This little thing in our mouth, mouth, mouse, this little thing in our mouth is a powerful thing. It is very powerful. Look at what he says. If we put bits into the mouths, mouths of horses so that they also, uh, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. It's a really cool image. My, my daughter is a really good rider of horses. She loves horses. And I remember she started learning, maybe she was 10 when she started, 9, 10. And she would ride some of these massive horses. I mean, really big horses. And this little girl with this, because of the bit, and, and uh, the, what are they, stirrups and what are these? Reins, yeah. With the reins, she controlled these horses. They'd go forward. They would go backwards. They would turn where she wanted them, want them to. It, it was at stop and jump over things. Amazing. 
this little girl had that. Why? Because this little thing was painful for the horse and was able to control the horse. So our tongue, this little thing, has that power. Look at the ships also. They, they have, are really large and are driven by strong winds, but they're guided by a small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. It's amazing how little a rudder is compared to the ship, right, or the boat. You look at a sailboat, these big sails, and the, this little teeny rudder that, that drives the thing, that steers the thing. It's, it's unbelievable. And so he continues, so, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I think of, I don't know why, I think of Napoleon because he's, he was famous for being small, a person. doesn't mean he necessarily had a small tongue, like actually, you know. But you think of a, a person like that, it's just a, a small in stature, but boastful and powerful and able to conquer so much of the world of, of his time through his commands. A small member that has great power and can boast of great things. At the second part there of verse 5, it gets very intense. Look at, the, look at four times that he uses the word fire. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Wow. Did you come to church this morning to be encouraged? <laughs> Not so much today. It is a day for a serious look at how we control our tongue or don't control our tongue. It is a forest fire. A couple years ago, a couple in uh, San Bernardino County, California, decided to do a gender reveal in uh, a dry season, and they bought this little pyrotechnic gizmo that uh, would shoot out pink or blue, right? And they had their little party, and of course they're filming it, and you know, so people can see, because that's a thing. And, and uh, this thing goes off, and of course you know what happened. One of those little sparks caught fire, and it grew, and it grew, and it spread and it consumed 22,000 22,700 acres. It destroyed homes and it killed a firefighter. A guy named Charles Morton died and left his a wife his wife and child without uh Amanda, it's a little teeny spark that has can, and causes that much damage. And that's not the biggest fire that we've had in California in the last few years. The tongue, he says, is like that. It has great power to destroy like a fire, and that fire comes from hell itself, he says at the end of verse 6. It's serious business, the power of the tongue. It says that it's setting on fire the entire course of life. When I read that, I thought of a family I know. 
this family, uh, I was in their house as a kid, and uh, I remember it clearly. Um, it was a large family, lots of boys in the, in the house. And uh, mom was a, a man-hater. And she railed on her boys all the time. And one of the things she would tell her boys was, you're nothing. You will never amount to anything. This is one of her re repeated phrases. Sadly, that family was riddled by, by addictions, all kinds of addictions, and they had so much suffering. Um, one of the brothers drank himself to death, literally. Praise the Lord, he gave his life to Christ on, on his deathbed in the hospital. So sad. And they created a great fear of marriage. Only one of those brothers has ever gotten married, and that in his 50s. Words have power, and they have power to destroy, and they have power to change the course of life. I was in a grocery store a while back, and uh, I heard a mother turn to her child and say, Stop being so annoying. Stop being so annoying. Now, it's something that probably a lot of parents will say. But think about it. I just stopped there in the grocery store, I, and I'm like, do I go talk to her? <laughs> Honestly, I thought that. Because I, and anger welled up in me. Because to define your child is annoying. Apart from the from the grace of God, what are the chances that that ch child is not going to grow up and be annoying? Words have power. And some of the ones that are, are the most innocent have great, great power. Question. In what ways do I set fires with my tongue? That's a question. He continues, for every kind of beast and bird, this is verse 7, of reptile and sea, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Tell us, James, what you really think about the tongue. No human being can tame it. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. God had allowed James to see the world and hear people talk and see the power of human language and how it has the power to poison and hurt and harm. And God moved him to write about it to us and to the church throughout all time. How do we set fires with our tongues. In what ways do we shoot poison? I want to just bring us to a few psalms and verses from Proverbs and Psalms to help us reflect on our own lives. Proverbs 26, 20, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Do you have any idea the power of gossip? Uh, I grew up in a home with gossip. My parents are amazing, godly people, but my mom was given, much given to gossip. 
and I witnessed it often. And she would get on the phone and talk to her gossip friends, and they would gossip back and forth. I learned a few things about gossip along the way. One, gossip is like cancer. It spreads because one person who gossips tells it to somebody who loves to hear gossip, who passes it. It's amazing how things spread. It's unbelievable. It is a fire that spreads rapidly. The other thing I learned about gossip is that gossip kills trust. If I hear somebody gossiping about somebody else, I know I'm not telling anything to that person. Because what's going to happen? I can't trust them. And that's the way I was with my mom, to be totally honest. I heard her talking about me. The things I would tell her, I would hear her tell other people. And I'm like, okay. It's just a natural reaction. I'm going to be careful with what my mom knows. That's not the way a teenager should live. It's dangerous, right? (laughs) Um, God was gracious, you know, uh, for me. But gossip is a cancer. Stop it, (laughs) right? Think of Bob Newhart, right, When when you hear that. But, oh, man, it is so dangerous. One more thing. I just started years ago when people would say to me, did you hear about so-and-so? I interrupt them. And I say, just a second, is this something that I'm part of the problem or part of the solution? Because if not, I don't want to hear it. We need to cut it so so that the cancer doesn't spread. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict. And a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Uh, Anger is a a powerful thing, and anger tends to come out the mouth, right? Have you ever had something come out of your mouth, and you think to yourself, where did that come from? Not just the words, but the emotion that comes with it, right? Where did that come from? That is a great question. We need to ask ourselves when we when we feel things come when we hear things come out of our mouth and we're surprised. We need to stop and reflect on that. Where did that come from? And it needs to be dealt with. Sometimes they're just little annoyances that cause a frustration, which builds to an anger that comes out the mouth. Sometimes they're deep-seated things from our childhood and from other things. Uh, We need to deal with those things. Sometimes we need people to talk to, a friend, our community group, maybe even a counselor, and that would be great and worthwhile. Don't let that anger stir and fester and grow and come out your mouth because it will cause harm. It'll cause deep harm. The one who has knowledge, Proverbs 17, 27, and 28, the one who has knowledge, uses words with restraint, and whoever is understanding is even-tempered. Here's the positive side, right? Is using restraint, being careful with our words, weighing our words carefully, thinking before we speaking. Thinking before we speaking, I like that. I needed to think about that before I spoke it. Yeah, we need to think before we, we talk. This is what the Holy Spirit can and will build in us if we ask him to and allow him to do it in our lives.
Psalm 34, 2. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. We used to sing this with our kids. There was, there was a, some CD we had that had this song, and they had the kids hold their tongue and sing it while they... <laughs> it was awesome. And the guy in the CD is actually holding his tongue and singing it. But it's actually a very serious verse. Keeping your tongue from evil and not telling lies. You know, I read that the, uh, a study from the uh, serious psychological group, I can't remember, the American Association of Psychologists or something like that, they did a study and found that the average American lies uh, 11 times a week. Does that seem like a lot to you? A little? I thought it was quite high. And of course, the chronic liars skew it up right? But lying has become accepted in our culture, I think. That's my observation. It should not be accepted among us. It should not be accepted in my heart, in your heart. Lies are powerful, and they are hurtful, and I know that from personal experience. So we have to be careful. Last section starting in verse 9. With it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Can a salt pond yield fresh water? James is talking about the fickle nature of the tongue. And he's upset about it, isn't he? How is it that this tongue that can bless God, the Father, can also curse? How is it that such beautiful things can come out of our mouths, encouraging things can come out of our mouths, but at the same time, vile things, terrible things, come out, vile, vile words come out of our mouth. How, how can that happen? He says, it shouldn't be like that. Our tongues weren't made for that. Our tongues were made to bless. Our co- tongues were made to worship God. And the flow of our heart was created for God's glory and for love for other people. That's what it was made for. But sin entered and corrupted it. And so, yes, we bless, but we also curse. And that is not the way it should be. It really shouldn't be like that at all. We should be more like the the spring and, and the fig tree and the salt pond, right? We should be more like them and not allow the curse to enter in. How do we do this? How do we keep from setting fires with our tongues? How do we keep from poisoning people with our tongues? How is it that we can keep from cursing with the same mouth that we bless? Just a few more Proverbs and verses, just a couple. Proverbs 15.1 is so important. This, was my, this is one of my dad's 
uh, favorite verses, and he used to quote it often. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Our tone of voice, our body posture, and the, the way we choose our words to speak gently is powerful as well. It is a beautiful, powerful use of the tongue to speak quieter and to carefully love the person that we're talking to. My dad also used to say, uh, on the other page he used to say, how you say it is just as important as what you say. How we say things is so important. Psalm 141.3. I love this one because it's a prayer. Oh Lord, place a guard on my mouth. Protect the opening of my lips. When you take that time to count to ten or count to five or whatever it is before you respond to somebody, take some of those seconds or all of those seconds to connect with the Father and ask him for help. Lord, help me say this in a way that honors you. Help me love this person. I am really mad right now. Help me, Lord. Help me place a guard on my mouth. I watch my wife Linda do this. I, I say something foolish, stupid, not super nice, maybe terrible, I don't know. And I watch the, I see in her face the, re, the reaction, a slight reaction, and I hear nothing. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in a person, right? To want to react, but stop, Lord help me, and say nothing. All that is powerful, that is beautiful. And yes, she is as amazing as I'm describing her. It is such a powerful thing. Lord, help me not spew. Put a guard over my mouth. Protect me from opening my lips. Ephesians 4.15 has shaped me about as much as any verse in the Bible, honestly. Um, as a young truth teller, I was also, a, I loved Jesus and I was voracious in reading my Bible. And uh, I started to discover all that the Bible said about grace and truth, grace and truth. It's scattered across the Bible. It says that, uh, that Jesus himself dwelt among us and we could see his glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was not half truth and half grace. He was full of grace and full of truth. Unbelievable. How did he do that? Full of grace and truth. I was captured by that. I'm like, Lord, I want that. I want to be full of grace and truth. And I don't want to err on either side. I want to live them both. And then I saw this. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ. This whole section, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 to 18, is unbelievable. It talks about God giving leaders to the church to equip the saints 
so they do the work of service so that they could be filled with unity and work together. Every joint working together. It's about unity, this whole section in Ephesians chapter 4. And in the middle of it, he says, speaking the truth in love. We can do this. We can grow in this. Speaking the truth in love. It doesn't mean hiding and just never saying anything. Sometimes God wants us to go and talk to somebody and say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm worried. I see this. Maybe I'm not seeing things right. But I see this. How are you doing? But a gentle confrontation of, of the person speaking the truth in love. And we don't do this alone. We grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. That is, we do this in Christ. Christ is empowering us to speak the truth in love. Isn't that amazing? We're not alone in this. The, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are working to help us grow in the use of our tongues. Let's cooperate with him in this. And lastly, a little tip. Calmly and prayerfully share your heart. Initially, I thought, I'll just say, talk about yourself. <laughs> but that sounds a little selfish, right? Calmly and prayerfully share your heart. Let me give you some examples, and then we're going to uh, wrap up. You... In your heart, you're thinking about what the person said to you and they hurt you and you are hurt and you're angry and you want to say, you hurt me. You hurt me terribly is what you want to say. But you count to five or ten or whatever it takes and you pray and ask the Lord to help you to guard your mouth and then you say the same thing in a different way. Man, I am, I am really fighting this. This is so hard for me. I'm so sad. Because when I heard those words, I was so hurt. That was so hurtful to me. We need to talk about this. Is that different? <laughs> that is ridiculously different. Imagine that you, uh, your roommate is just leaving things everywhere. Or your husband. Husbands don't do that. Could be the wife. No, probably the husband. But you're just leaving things everywhere. And in your heart, you want to say, you are such a slob. Right? What is, what is your roommate going to say? Well, you did this and you did that, they're going to get defensive, right? There's better ways to say that. I need to tell you something that I'm feeling. I like our place to be in order and we've agreed on, on certain things. And um, I don't know, I just, can I ask for just a little courtesy? Um, I just, I would, I would appreciate that so much. It's so different like that, isn't it? Tone of voice, how we choose our words. But you share your heart. You share your feelings. 
This is how I'm feeling. This is how I see the situation. And sometimes asking for something very specific. Some of you probably studied this in communication class or something <laughs> at university. I don't know. But uh, these things have radically helped Linda and me in our, in our marriage over these last 30 years since we started to learn this process of how to speak the truth in love, to speak with kindness, to speak with gentleness, and to not attack our spouse. Brothers and sisters, and I speak to myself as your brother, the tongue is a powerful thing. It's a small thing, but it's a powerful thing. And we need to be careful with our tongues. Let us bless with our tongues. Let's build up other people, encourage other people with our tongue, and let's even confront with love using these tongues. Let's pray, and then we're going to take communion together. Father, we, uh, we desperately, desperately need you for everything. We, we sin in so many ways. So many ways. And the tongue is an immense challenge for everyone in this room and everyone listening online. And we need you. We need your help. We want to grow in this, Lord. We know we're not going to go from, from zero to, to ten immediately. But we know, Lord, that you want to grow us. You want our relationships to be healthy. We want uh, all of our relationships, all of our spheres of influence, Lord. And so we ask, Spirit, that you would reveal to us areas where we need to change, areas where we need to grow. And we ask that you, Lord, would empower us, would give us wisdom, and help us take those steps to grow and to change. Lord, I pray that as this happens, that it would, you would continue to uh, bring unity in our midst here in the church and in our homes. We are, we are so grateful for you and we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we uh, come to the Lord's table today, or as your cups come from the th thing in front of you today, right? Um, I'm reminded of uh, Ephesians chapter 1 uh, because it's such an encouragement to me. Uh, if you want to make your way there, in uh, uh, this, uh, this text is hard, this James 3 text. It's very hard because we all make mistakes. We're all, we all have tr struggle with it. Um, and so it's good for us to re be reminded of the gospel what it is and what it isn't. In, uh, in Deuteronomy, in many places in the Old Testament, uh, God speaks to his people and he says, if you obey, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field. Your grain bowls will be, will be filled. Your, your, the women will bear many children and you will destroy your enemies and a bunch of other things like that. But if you disobey, this law that I'm giving you, I, you will be cursed in this city and you will be cursed in the field and your bread bowl will be empty and your women will be barren and you will be destroyed by your enemies and other things, terrible things will happen. 
This was under the law of the Old Testament. And so to have the favor and blessing of God meant you had to work for it. You had to obey that law. Otherwise, you would have curses. And the the Old Testament is riddled with this story. It's kind of the story of the Old Testament, isn't it? When they, when they, they obeyed, they were blessed. And when they, and when they disobeyed and they served other idols, they were, they were cursed and thrown in captivity and all kinds of things. When you flip your page to the New Testament, everything changes. Everything changes because Jesus comes and he dies and he, he rises from the dead and then he blesses us for a different reason. Look at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're picking it up. Verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the earth. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And he continues, we are blessed not because we obeyed, not because we got our tongue in order, not because of anything we did, because God simply chose us before the foundations of the earth and sent his son to die for us, and we are blessed in him. It is because of him, because of his work in purchasing us with his blood, redeeming us with his blood, that we can praise him and thank him and and, and not worry that he's going to annihilate us or that he's going to, Punish us. And so we praise him. And we celebrate him and the life we have in him. And we depend on him because it's all about him. So yes, we continue the fight of faith and growing and striving to enter daily into the rest of Jesus. But we don't do it to earn blessing. We do it because we love him, and he loves us. That, my friends, is good news. It's what we call gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we reflect, as we, as we uh, take the cup, you do have a cup near you somewhere. You do flip the little clear plastic thing off the top to find the wafer, and then the, uh, and then the, the uh, juice is inside there. Uh, but I would like to read the words of Jesus in Luke 22. Um, and then the, the worship team will uh, play and you can uh, take the, uh, spend time with the Lord. As you, don't be in a hurry to stand and sing. You can stand anytime you want, but don't be in a hurry. T- this is time for you to reflect on your own life. 
confess your sin, uh, particularly things related to, to your tongue, to things in your heart, and, and then celebrate that you have life and that God is with you, that Jesus and the Spirit are helping you uh, overcome this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant. This is the new agreement. It's not the old agreement on animal sacrifices and doing good things and following the law. It's a new agreement. The new covenant is Jesus does the work for us. He takes our place. He takes the curse, and he gives us his righteousness. That is a spectacular new covenant that we have in Christ. Lord, help us as we reflect this morning on the greatness of the cross, the beauty of, of Christ, celebrating your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for forgiving us, Lord, for all the things that we have spoken that do not honor you. Help us, Lord, day after day to bless and to bless. We love you and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.